This is Film Tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their head. They won't know what they're looking at, but why they like it, but they'll know they want it. everyone and welcome in to episode 246 of film tank alex diekman here with you along with my usual co-host nick cheney oh hello there hi hi how are you doing on this beautiful evening um not too bad not too bad Mm -hmm. that's all i got okay (laughs) very good um also joining us this evening is our good friend sam shamara Hello again. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the studio again. It's the uh, first time we've had an episode yeah. with you on it since we've been back recording in the studio, so glad we can all get together on this evening. Agreed. This is nice to be able to actually see you people in person. I know. I mean, the Skype What thing... do you mean, like, you people? people? What do you mean, you people? <laughs> great line from uh, Tropic Thunder. Wonderful. Fantastic. Not a great movie, but a very entertaining movie. It holds up well yeah. enough. I agree. No, I mean, it's been... It was One really... weeks, which looked at me. <laughs> Calculated the sad said I'm angry. Okay. Uh, it was good doing, this, doing the Skype episodes, and I'm sure we're going to do quite a few more of them here um, over the winter, but um, it's also been really nice just to be back in the studio and recording like this and hanging out and seeing other humans, so... Agreed. In a non, like, work mask setting, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, on this episode, we are going to talk about a film that debuted on Netflix earlier this year, and it is called Lost Girls. Uh, The film is directed by Liz Garbus uh, and stars Amy Ryan playing the main character, who is Mary Gilbert, uh, which is an actual person um, she is portraying. uh, And the story surrounds Mary Gilbert... Um, when her daughter disappears, police in action drives her own investigation into the gated Long Island community where Shannon, her daughter, was last seen. Her search brings attention to over a dozen murdered sex workers. Well done, IMDb. Hmm. Yeah. Me. That's fine. So other than Amy Ryan, uh, also Thomason McKenzie uh, is in this film playing her uh, middle age or middle daughter. Um, her middle-aged daughter. Her middle-aged daughter, yeah. Um, she's 60. She's 50. Yeah. They come from an Amish community. Uh, <laughs> so she's been in a number of things over the last few years. Most notably, probably remembered by people would be from Jojo Rabbit. Uh, but she's also been on the show The King and also appeared in the movie Leave No Trace. Oh, yeah. She's great in that. Yeah? Yep. Yep, good. Also, a uh, somewhat unusual performance, not unusual, but um, 
a person who doesn't usually perform in films uh, very often anymore, Gabriel Byrne, yeah. making an appearance here. It's actually a reunion between... Him and uh, Amy Ryan. Yes, because they were both in, in, in treatment. treatment. yeah. Where in that show, he plays a therapist, so you watch him, uh, you know, with his patients, and then in the final season of that show, his he always meets with his therapist, and it was Diane Weist in the first two seasons and in the third season amy ryan was his therapist so i know you're a huge fan of that program so so. yeah Yeah. so uh the uh gabriel byrne also um is definitely he's definitely aged but also like he hasn't aged that much no he's like always been a weathered type guy so yeah like usual suspects came out 25 years ago and he doesn't look that much older than that he's got that irish brogue Also, too, he does, um, I think it was probably because of the way that he's aged a bit, and also because of the uh, lawn coat he continued to wear throughout it, but I kept getting a Robert Stack vibe from him in this, which is funny because he was uh, well-known from all Unsolved Mysteries, so uh, yeah. there you go. So, some other people appearing... <laughs> like this case. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. Uh... <laughs> Other people appearing in this include Dean Winters. Uh, Mayhem! Yeah, and, and among other things. I, he was in um, the he, first John Wick, I think. He was. Uh, probably his biggest actual role was in the TV show Oz, where he played Ryan O'Malley. Okay. Uh, and he was actually fantastic in that. So I always like when he pops up. I agree. Even though I haven't seen him in as many things as you have, uh, I enjoy seeing him. Specifically because of, actually, the uh, Mayhem commercials. Mm-hmm. And then the other two people that make an appearance here are Lola Kirk and also Una Lawrence, uh, the uh, younger actress who plays the role of Sarah Gilbert. We'll get into that character mm-hmm. uh, later in this episode because, yeah. for the most part, that is an inconsequential character in this film. But... <laughs> Uh, there's there's some closing text that ropes her in, and then if you uh, don't know anything about the story and you dig into it a little bit, uh, it, it there's some there's some thoughts to be had there about about everything. So definitely, yeah, and 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 we'll see what everybody thinks about it. Uh, but anyways, there that is. So that is uh, the main information about Lost Girls. And Sam, since you are the one who suggested this, if you're okay with it. I think you should go first. Sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> Mostly because I don't want to go first. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, so I, ever since the pandemic began, I have been, um, it sounds like eons ago, um, and feels like it, yeah. but um, I have been getting into true crime more and more. Um, I know when we um, talked about the film, um Oh, the something wicked and evil. Um, yeah, extremely wicked and incredibly vile. Vile. Especially. No, what? <laughs> I'm talking to Alex from outside the room. <laughs> this is um, podcasting magic. <laughs> um, that that one. Yeah. Um, so. I, I, I got this. Sorry. I, I just stepped up for a minute please. to get another beer. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, vile. Uh, yeah. There we go. And there's no and in there. It's just straight to vile. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Because um, it was taken directly from what the, the judge. judge said. Oh, that's right. Yes, the judge who, who was, was played, played by... by John Malkovich. Yes, and also was John Malkovich in real life. <laughs> anyway. Who was being yes. John Malkovich in that role. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we have plenty. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> you don't anyway, have to laugh. <laughs> anyway. It's great to be back. It is. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, after I made that suggestion for a film as well, um, I have been watching um, an increased amount, um, some would say maybe potentially troubling amount, of um, true crime shows. Um, and this one, this movie in particular, happened to catch my eye um, just because watching the trailer for it initially, um, I was very intrigued um, by the cinematography of it and like the color, the the color scheme of it, if you will. Um, if you haven't picked up on it already, um, I very much look at like lighting and coloring within films, um, and that makes a huge difference to me of whether or not like it's something that I find fascinating. Um, I don't know. I just enjoy looking oh, yeah. at nice things. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's soothing. Yes. Um, so I do have to say, starting off, this was, um, I thought it was very lovely to watch um, cinematically. I liked, um, one of the things I, I really enjoyed was um, watching um, the car drive um, because you got these beautiful landscape shots um, and you never, I think only maybe a handful of times you were actually like in the car or at the front of the car, you were always watching where the car was going or SUV, whatever you'd like to consider it. Um, and I thought that was a lovely way to kind of give you a sense of surrounding and, and that the, the travel of it. Um, there's also a couple of, um, beautiful shots of, I I can't remember exactly where at in the film, but I believe it's a police cruiser that's looking out onto the beach at one point. Um, and you just see barely like the hood of the car. Um, and everything else is just the brush with a sunset or sunrise. Um, and it's, it, it's very interesting to find that there's these absolute like breaks and looks at nature. Um, when everything else is in such turmoil in the sense of, of emotional crisis, um, for these women at least, or supposedly kind of, it seems. Yeah. I mean, Um, no one's caring about their situation, but (laughs) at the same time, it's a little odd because I feel like they are, I don't want to say conditioned, but most of the women here are, I don't even know if they necessarily believe everything that they're preaching, if that makes sense. Like they are fully wanting to um, be there to um, do the vigil and do a lot of other um, awareness work for their fallen children or sisters or friends or whatever. But at the same time, um, they've grown up and lived in this idea of, everybody's totally fine with shaming prostitutes. Mm. Um, and at times I feel like they don't even believe what they're talking about. Um, I, like the diner scene, like it, yeah. it just seemed very um, like not cohesive, not working together, just a bunch of singular people, not really believing in one, you know, cause because Definitely. they don't feel passionately about it. They just happen to be part of it. They happen, and I think that 
kind of resonates throughout the film too. Yeah. Um, I think there's, um, there's a lot of discord and yet connection. Um, and I think, um, unfortunately to me, there's no, there's not a, an entire sense of depth to this. Um, but we can obviously get into that. Um, and, um, it's just, um, there's, I feel like there's a lot of can of worms, uh, or lots of cans of worms to kind of pick apart with this one. Um, especially knowing that it is a, it's based on a true story. Um, yeah, it's based on a true story, but it's pretty clear that, um, there was some specific editing that happened with real time events. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Overall, so not real time, real yeah. life events. Yeah, you know what? It's all the same. Yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> Speaking, it doesn't matter. Look at the look at look at this world we live in. You can say anything; it's fine. Exactly, <laughs> that's um, true. So overall, um, a pretty um, I I enjoyed it, um, but definitely um, some things to to get into a little bit more. Um, I'll pass the baton off for now. Okay. Um, Nick, why yes. don't you go ahead and go? You've been chosen. Yes. <laughs> I figured you didn't want to go first, so if. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I just. So you're being punished. <laughs> I'm not going to have to go running through a marsh, am I? No. Okay. Because no grown man could. Also, too, I will say this, and this is. This is uh, I don't know if this is nitpicking. But I feel like, and and I, I guess I could be totally off base on this, but um, when they finally did find Shannon's skeleton mm-hmm. uh, in the marsh, and they had it like the way it was propped up, like that didn't look like a human; that looked like a dinosaur. So I don't know. There's something weird about that, and I'm sure that's being just horrible and a bad could be person. The <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have they didn't have money for a fake human, human skeleton, so they, they just took one of the. They were able to go down to one of those spirit Halloween stores. <laughs> And I, opened everywhere. up the uh, vinyl to the uh, archaeologist costume and take uh, out the plastic dinosaur. I was going to say, they did have enough money for one of the f- hybrid dinosaurs from Jurassic World <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. Yes. Uh, yes. By the way, everyone is so excited for that movie, right? Let's keep on with this human dinosaur nope. hybrid thing, right? Yeah. Well, the worst part about that is that that's actually maybe the movie of the moment in the sense that like, there's a lot to do about mismanaging crises and whatnot but it yeah. it's not going to happen in the next one it's just going to be another boring uh just awfully scripted movie maybe not but we'll see i mean i feel like as long as they make a course correction there's nowhere to go but up from i was gonna say one. the second one was <laughs> god awful so. yeah uh, so my thoughts on lost girls are very much of two minds which is that I thought it was right down the middle. I unfortunately didn't really connect with it, but I wouldn't say that there was anything inherently bad about it. And I thought at the end of the day is probably because this is a product of the trend that really started with Zodiac, where true crime didn't just become popular, but it became in vogue. Mm -hmm. And we have been riding that trend, and it is down to the color scheme, which I do enjoy looking at as well, but it's like no one can think of another angle, uh, visually speaking, to to lend to these for the most part. Um, And unfortunately, I, I came down to two things, which is that I didn't think the mystery was all that interesting 
Okay, which is that's fine on its own because if there is an emotional core that's strong enough, it can overcome something like that, or it can just be literally the mystery can be beside the point in a kind of uh, cathartic way. But then also, I didn't find Amy Ryan's plight anything more than slightly uh, boring noblism. You know, it's like I, it's not that I disagree with depicting this woman's plight, you know, with trying to raise both awareness for just the systemic uh, indifference to sex workers and the, and the abuse that they suffer, or even just her own personal journey of trying to find her daughter. But the movie doesn't quite have an entire story here, so it hints at things in order to slightly lead you down a path to when the things get revealed, you find out they're not even as damning as you thought that they were based on the fact that they were hinting them. And for the most part, I'm kind of referring to like her history with the daughter that was unfortunately murdered um, because they really drive home that something happened between them. And while obviously we find out something did where she gave the daughter away to the state, it's not like it's something that, like, she doesn't beat herself up about. It's not like it's something that was... I mean, it, it's a very almost understandable thing, no matter how wretched and horrible it is, because no right. one should have to have that happen to anybody. And so by the time it happens, it almost just reinforces her crusade for good because it just airs on the side of she's just too good, no matter how much she struggles to make ends meet. So... You know, overall, I just thought that, unfortunately, the worst part about this was that it was boring. The best part about this is that <laughs> and, – and the best part about this is the performances. I thought everybody casted was spot on. I mm-hmm. thought it was great to see Amy Ryan and Gabriel Byrne kind of back in action. Both of them, I think, are delivering great performances. Even Gabriel Byrne, who obviously is not emotionally attached to this case, but is trying to ride that line of like – He's got one foot out the door, and he's being shoved out of it. No, I mean he—he's—he's he's playing a very similar character that Woody Harrelson played in uh, Three Billboards Outside of. Um, oh yeah, where he's like trying to like yeah. be the face of the investigation, but also trying to be a good person at the same yeah. time, yeah. and it's really hard to be both. Yep, yeah. and in this movie, he's way more damning about uh, cops in general, which I think is over... I'm not saying that has to be the end-all, be-all take, but it's okay for some movies to take that stance, because I you know want to hear all... You know, They're sides. Extraordinarily corruptible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love that this did not even let him off the hook, and yet also did at least garner him. Let's let, let's talk about that just for a second, yeah. because I thought I hope it's based on fact. Because if it's not, I think the retirement party scene is really excessive. Yeah. Because what retirement parties had with strippers okay i love that okay and I, I, not I, because i don't think i don't know if it's based on fact or not but that's where i was like oh whether it's based on fact or not at least we're trying something here as far as thematically okay. cross-referencing the irony of it. yes so for them to literally enjoy the bask of sex workers uh you know the benefits of them while they don't give a shit about them i so yeah. i'm with you in that whether it's yeah. fact or not i kind of would like to know just on the side but i also thought the movie could have used more of that so i'll say this though and i'm all in for i'm all for and i think it is a requirement of our society to hold 
police and other law enforcement officials to a much higher standard than we currently do. But the idea of um, thematically just piling on at every single turn is kind of gross to me. Well, here's you know, the- now if it's if it's factual, then yeah. okay. But if it's not, and it's just like, look at these sleazy pieces of shit. But I'll say <laughs> this. Uh, for me, at least, the scene did not read that everybody in the room was okay with that. It, it read more that this was a systemic thing, and okay. even Gabriel Byrne is trying to kind of like wave it away because it's his party. Yeah. And it's kind of like that's how a, you know, a, a system like that gets corrupted because even the good people – Pretty much let it happen, and even if they don't partake, uh, they're still letting it. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on yeah. that. I just, um, if it, if it was just created for this film, I feel like it's a little it out, of, out, out of place. It yeah. probably was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to wrap it up, my opening thoughts. I just thought, you know, this had all the trappings, and that's not a bad thing. But like, you know, the paranoid conspiracist who. Tra- helps with the investigation um i will say the one performance i did not like even if i thought it was entertaining was the guy who played dr hackett agreed because i'm like he stepped like he stepped into a movie that was going for realism and he is literally playing a cockeyed mustachioed villain yeah who has clearly something to hide whether it's the fact that he killed her or didn't you know what i mean like if fact or no fact he's playing it no matter like like he's guilty and i i feel like it's kind of like that's where something like zodiac kind of shines where every conversation any of those reporters or cops have with any of the suspects are creepy because most of them come off as like average joe i mean to a, to a degree there's always like a slightly off kilter presence to them but then you wonder if that's your own biases against like yeah. single men in their 40s or, or you know like these yeah. weird kind of the way that the mustache is yeah. like mm. but that guy just shows up and he's like well, hello there darling <laughs> i didn't murder your child <laughs> yeah that final scene with him is just like yeah. putting it all out there being uh, I, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's the scene where he's uh, talking with Gabriel Byrne's character, but he says something to the tune of yeah, I don't like, get how that conversation can lead to no follow-up. Well, <laughs> just the idea yes. of, well, uh, I wouldn't give it to you because that would be destroy, or I, I, I didn't show it to you because that would be something tampering about with tampering evidence. with evidence. It's like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. That, I... I feel like that particular character was, yes, there was, and I, granted, it may be based on a real person who was just as strange. Yeah, centric. Um, If if, if you need that Um, qualifier, then. But at the same time, I think it definitely could have been portrayed in a much subtler way, um, if not uh, a, a manner that I didn't feel like I was, I I couldn't pick him out from a crowd because the instant when, especially when um, he was talking with the commissioner, um, just everything about that with the the evidence tampering and everything like that, I don't, like you mentioned, I don't know why you wouldn't follow up with that at, at that point. And there's just, I feel like, and perhaps it's because of the plot um, and making sure that you don't like drag certain parts down, um, but definitely kind of filling in and fleshing out some bits of what the investigation, what's going on in it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I understand that, you know, it's, it's not meant to, that's not what the film is meant to be about at the same time. 
but I think a little bit of help would be yeah yeah kindly appreciated. It's still, yeah. it's still on screen. It's, it's still yes. part of the film. Yes. So yeah. why not just make it what it should just be? Fill it out. Yeah. yeah. So I'll end by saying that. I, I think this, like I said earlier, I think this is two movies in one, and while it should have aired on the one version, which is that of trying to drive home the power of this, you know, crusade or this journey as far as, like, you know, there is value in finding these women just as much as there is finding the killer, because you may never be able to find the killer just due to either incompetence or just general, like... You know, sometimes people get away or whatever, but that doesn't mean you should stop looking for the the victims themselves and whatnot. And what I don't understand is that 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 version of the movie is decent, and it's overshadowed by the more insidious true crime aspect, which I'm not a, a opposed to because I like true crime as well, yeah. but like this has a whole sequence in which Kevin Corrigan kind of sets up. He's like, there's shady shit going on in Oak Beach. And like that's our entrance into this whatever. And that's never even like remotely the case from that point on. And I get that he was supposed to kind of be a quack, but the way that that was presented to the audience at the time was like, I thought that was more of a waste of time than it was trying to show the futileness of, you know, chasing these leads. I thought it was more like, well, you know, at least in the beginning, they'll be hooked by this. And then when we don't have literally any answer for it, uh, we'll just move past it. So even if he's supposed to be a quack, the idea (laughs) that like the police aren't even like checking up on that lead is kind of unrealistic. I feel like, even even if it actually happened, like, and and maybe that's why can't we show scenes of the police not following up. The yes. absence of action can be depicted, but here it's literally narrative threads not being even shown. Yes. So those are my opening thoughts. Very good. Um, I thought this was pretty good. I was a fan of this, I would say. And I think it is mostly because of the subject matter and also the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, the storyline with the actual police and their characters in this, I will agree with what you guys are kind of both saying, that I, I feel like there are parts of that that are, are missing and also parts of that, um, to me at least, that, that don't really add up in terms of the way that the characters were written and the way that they appear on screen, even if they are factual to actual events. Um, it doesn't work in a thematic sense, in my opinion. So, with that being said, um, the storyline and the through line here, I think, is pretty strong. And Amy Ryan's character, um, first of all, she's giving a great performance. This idea of this um, character that is neither good nor bad, I find fascinating because no one watching this film... Um, watching it critically could say that she is for sure a saint or anything like that. She's a conflicted person. She's a conflicted character, but at the same time, she's just a real person. Like people have things like no one, um, I don't say no one, but a, a lot of people probably don't go through the situation that she goes through. And I think one of the detriments of this film actually is the fact that we do not get, any more backstory other than the couple of lines of dialogue she gives about her upbringing and her story moving forward. Because this film is very concerned with two things, 
which is Amy Ryan's character, and also to the idea of um, nobody giving a shit about um, women going missing, specifically uh, women who are sex workers going missing. And I think that both of those are really good things to have as your subject matter. They're really good to have as your conversation. Points. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the execution, at least on that aspect of it, uh, not Amy Ryan's performance, which I think is great, um, is, is a little bit lacking at times and, and, and has a hard time really completely uh, going with that because it's really difficult to do that when you have everything happening with the police on the other end and everything going on um, with the investigation and with the way that the whole story moves because I'm, I'm all on board for everything happening with Amy Ryan's character of Mary because she is a imperfect person, but that just means she's a person mm -hmm. and she's a person who's made poor choices and is now seeing that resonate and to the biggest degree it possibly could because some of the things that happened with her um, have gone forward and now led to her daughter's death. But at the same time, um, context matters, especially in this film. Uh, it is one throwaway line of dialogue, but the, but the, the honest truth is that in the era when her daughter was probably diagnosed with bipolar disorder, mm -hmm. um, it probably wasn't handled very well. I think it's pr pretty clear that it wasn't. Yeah. And As I mean, literally watching the movie shows you that she had no systemic support to deal with a daughter because that can never be something that we're just inherently born with the faculties and resources to deal with any mental right. illness that our family members have. And, that, and that's another thing that I would say is I, I don't want to say a, a downgrade of this movie because, again, I did quite enjoy it. But something I think that since you are – this film is so focused on those two points that I previously mentioned, it should have gone more all in with this idea of, mm -hmm. yes, it is terrible that these kind of women who get into this life and then are pretty much thrown away and no one gives a shit is, is a real problem and is really should be addressed. But at the same time, what leads to them getting into this life in the first place is another thing that – um, is a lot of the same notes on it of whether it's them growing up and having um, either issues with their parents or issues with uh, any sort of disorders that at the time were not handled properly. It just, it just wasn't. And, and nobody even comments on it other than one line of dialogue, which I thought was kind of poor in my opinion. But I will say, uh, I think for the most part, the film does a really nice job of setting out its thesis and executing on it. Mm -hmm. It has a very interesting and somewhat quirky performance by Amy Ryan, which I really appreciate. She has a fantastic line of dialogue. I in think the, I know what you're going to say. In the movie theater when she's uh, – or in the movie theater. Oh, my God. I was like, uh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I haven't been uh, there. In, in the police station when she is uh, using her staple gun to put up all the flyers – and she goes up and she tells them, I'm going to put up flyers every day until either you find my daughter or you die of paper cuts. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just absolutely lovely. That's not what I thought you were going to say, but I did enjoy that line. Okay. I, th I thought you were going to, because I know uh, one of your favorite lines from Gone Baby Gone, I thought you were going to say the one in the parking lot when she's talking to Gabriel Byrne and uh, and 
mayhem <laughs> um when she he says something like you know we're, we can't just i don't know he he whines and then he she just says suck my ass yeah um that 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 was good i'm uh, and then that, he goes classy which i'm like wait a minute you just you just insulted her for being right. you know like abrasive but then i you know anyway i told a double you, standard i was yeah. I, I was messing with you guys last night telling you that one of my favorite lines of hers from um, Gone yeah. Baby Gone is when she says, oh, it smells like cock or yeah. something like that. It's just totally ridiculous. Um, I will say uh, another line that I really enjoyed was a, um old crazy woman um, from the gated community saying, you can't be here. This is a private community. I'm going to call the police. And A.B. Ryan responds, go ahead and call them. They'll take at least an hour to get here, uh, which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that just brings along the mistrust of, of police, which is, um, as we've seen in 2020, um, is, is very real in obviously in the black community, but it's pretty clear that it's not just that it's not just one subsect of humanity. It is a lot of problems, which means it is a systemic problem and not just a, Oh, those are just a couple bad apples, which is the classic comment. Right. Um, it's not, Nope. It's fucking orchard. It is a lot of bad apples and a lot of good apples yeah, yeah. letting the bad apples continue to be. Mm-hmm. So that that, that is I mean, what it is. To bring the metaphor full circle, I mean, in the orchard, these apples do not just grow on their own. You know, they are influenced by whoever is controlling them. So, mm-hmm. yes, you could have good apples, and there are good apples, but yes. not if the farmer is corrupted himself mm-hmm. by societal biases and racial injustice and then when you bake it into a pie the pie <laughs> tastes like shit and that's what we call american pie <laughs> well and that's how we've come back around yes so so i'm a fan of this movie and i've got some other thoughts as well but uh i think the biggest takeaway from this movie is that amy ryan is putting on a fantastic performance Absolutely. here as she does yeah i agree and without that i feel like this movie would have probably been at least a star lower because yeah. i think that's what really carries this movie through and really hammer hammers home how about that hair yeah, it was not yeah. great. I've never seen her but with it's good. Uh, that kind of David Lee Roth. <laughs> I was going to say D. Snyder, but <laughs> yeah. David Lee Roth. Yeah. David Lee Roth is probably better. No, but still, yeah, same. same Speaking ballpark. of which, R.I.P. Eddie. 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 I've got to be totally honest. I thought he was dead already. I didn't. I will say, when I heard his age, I was like, "Oh, he was only 60. I thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But, I thought the same. Yeah. I thought he was a bit older already. Like, I, I guess maybe because I was born in an era where I, like, heard Van Halen, and I'm like, oh, classic rock. Right, yeah. And I'm, like, 33 already, To be so. fair, I, during my Sirius, when I bought a car last year, and I had Sirius for, like, three months, I went to their classic station, and I heard Goo Goo Dolls. So, I mean, that doesn't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all fucking relative at this point. Yeah. But um, one thing I do want to say about Lost Girls is I almost always hesitate to say this about a movie I didn't really care for, but I'm going to say it about this one, and I've said it about a few others. But this would have benefited from being, I think, a miniseries because I think some of the emotional catharsis of, like, her giving up uh, – Sarah? No, Shannon. 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 Um, giving up Shannon and a few other revelations would have hit a little harder had, like, you know, the first episode is pre... Maybe it's the childhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, yeah, that's a snapshot and it can't quite, you know, obviously 
conceptualize it and the, the totality of somebody's upbringing or whatever, but that packs a punch if you spend 40 minutes with it. And then the next episode, that's the, the initial 911 call and the night of and, and so on and so forth. We see so many examples right now. Netflix put out uh, Unbelievable, I think, earlier this year or last year. But that was fantastic. That was dealing with a real-life uh, unsolved mystery at the time about a rapist and about a woman who was not believed. And um, that, A, is one of the best things Netflix ever put out. I definitely recommend it. Um, but that was very sectioned as far as the first episode was about the night of the rape, and then the second episode was about the initial bumbling cops, who are not the main characters at all, who, uh, you know, handled the investigation in the wake of the morning after. Mm-hmm. And then it's not until, like, the third episode where really the people are stepping in who are the actual lead investigators who start to realize that so many things were done wrong. But unfortunately, the bumbling police officers lay the groundwork for all of the... Oh, yeah, like how everything becomes yeah. inadmissible or, you know, that kind of stuff. Or, or even just trauma. Like, they bumbled their investigation to the point where, like, they asked the wrong questions. So then most of these women had to be interviewed two or three times. And no one wants to do it once, let alone, you know, two or three times, whatever. And mm. Anyway, that's just one of the great... If you like this, I think you, anyone would love that. Uh, unbelievable. But I, I, once again, I'll just say I, I think it would have been almost better stretched out than compressed into this 90-minute vehicle, but that's just me. I agree. Um, I, as I mentioned, I really enjoyed Amy Ryan's performance. And I actually, uh, I, I did talk a little bit previously about... Um, the the women who are in this film and trying to uh, create the memory of of their lost loved ones and and not really knowing how to to go forward with that. I think something that's really important in this film is this idea of people just caring about people, um, no matter what their situation is. Like we see this all the time of people just blaming, like they chose that life, they deserve what they got, and it's like, well. That's rude. It, that's one way to put it. It is, in fact, rude. But at the same time, um, it's also like people have high and low points of their life. Absolutely. And to just blanket, just say that anyone who is a sex worker at any time is a bad person and we shouldn't care about their lives or about what they could do in the future is absolutely asinine. And yet, in reality... Um, American society, if they hear a drug dealer or a sex worker or um, a ex-con or anyone um, has been murdered or is missing, it's just a shoulder shrug. Mm -hmm. And it is really unfortunate because these are people and they function within our current society, even if people don't want to admit it. Um, prostitution is part of our society and it has been for a long time so i think kind of in a very similar vein um it's interesting that this that i actually had like come across this film and suggested it to you guys Mm -hmm. um at the same time that if um folks are familiar with um humans of new york yeah um and brandon uh, i believe stanton didn't he die recently or or not No. no okay no, he's the photojournalist. Okay, um, I, I thought there was some with humans in New York and somebody passing away, but but I'm I'm sorry if I I misspoke there. Not that I'm familiar. Okay. With. Um, he actually, but um, the photojournalist of um humans of New York um 
he most recently um, featured across, I believe it was like 33 or 34 posts, um, a woman named Stephanie um, who has lived um, like just down the way from him um, and he's become good friends with her. Um, and he learned about her life. Um, and she was a, um, a dancer um, at the height of, you know, the 70s and 80s. Um, and she, um, she talks about her struggles of being a black woman in, um, in the dancing world um, during a time when it was very difficult um, for not only sex workers slash um, female dancers, um, but also um, black women trying to pave a way for themselves. Um, and hearing her plight and how, you know, she recalls um, that, you know, she actually enjoyed it to a certain extent because she was able to make a lot of money. Um, and that was something that she found as an upside to it. Um, a downside to it that she mentions was that because she wore heels all the time, um, that's absolutely destroyed her, her muscles in her legs. Um, but anyway, um, it's, I find the way that they address, um, sex workers and just women in general in this, um, interesting, um, for lack of a better term, I guess. Um, I think a good example is Kim, um, the friend of Amber, who is one of the She's women that they find. She's out hooking again. Yes. That Kim. Um, and I, I actually find that very, um, very telling of, mm. uh, of the way that these women are discussed. So initially when they come together, it's very much, you know, we're going to come together. We're going to be powerful about it. Um, but then the instant that, you know, Kim does decide that she needs to go back to work, essentially. Um, they look at her very differently, um, which I I found that scene very interesting where she's standing um, after she's gone back to work and she's standing along a brick wall um, and a car pulls up. and She's, she... she's treated almost like a drug addict who's relapsed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say she's treated... Very much in the same sense that the cops are treating their own yeah. Yeah. Uh, loved ones. So, obviously, they become part of the problem. Not the exact same severity, mm-hmm. but they have... You can see where all of this is ingrained into society. Yeah. Totally. And I I find her character very interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Whether or not she's a real person, um, I, I'm not sure. Um, but I do like that element that they brought her in as she's a friend um of one of the missing girls who ends up dead um but i also find and again i'll use the word interesting just because i i don't know how else to phrase it Hmm. um the look at um mental illness or Mm. um just the the way that um i guess individuals are treated who are different for lack of a better term um and i don't mean that in a disparaging way i don't mean that in in no the the, mean sense but one of the best uses of anything in this film is the use of the private community this idea of this place that they like you have to fit a certain mold to live here and if you don't uh we're gonna kill you yeah (laughs) and that's like 
people here, at least the way that it's shown in the film and portrayed, they are not outraged that people are on the, the beach finding bodies. They're like, oh, my God, how could this happen here? They're all like, yeah, we don't want that shit. Yep. And that's it's garbage that, day. For real, though, it is. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is it is uh, unfortunately telling because um, even though I don't necessarily know if people would feel <laughs> that way about murder um, in, in all of those areas, mm-hmm. um, they definitely feel that way about living people that they don't want that near their radius. Yeah. And so that's, um, yeah. That that was a good inclusion, even if it's it it obviously is a true part of the story. But yeah, and I think even just the treatment of Shannon herself, um, I think I I it is kind of a throwaway line when um, Amy Ryan is talking to her daughter um, Sherry um, about why Shannon went away essentially um say and she was very blunt saying you know she has bipolar i couldn't her medication was too expensive that even me working two jobs couldn't afford it um and i find that that sort of um that turning point of knowing why she gave her daughter away or why the state came to take her daughter um that was kind of a a turning point for me and i think um, while I was not surprised of that turning point, I, I assumed that when she mentioned about her daughter being in foster care, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but, um, I, I think it kind of goes back to that point, Nick, that you made about this being more of a mini series. Um, and I wonder, I, I have been thinking about it now that you mentioned it of like whether or not this would do better in a smaller setting, um, in, in blocked settings rather, um, I think it would give it would do a little bit more justice to Shannon in that case, um, but also to the other daughters um, and kind of taking a look at how mental illness affected their lives, um, which I think is a good segue to one of the text pieces at the mm. very end. Mm. Um, I was a bit taken aback by so first we should just say what it is yes yeah. <laughs> um I, I don't know the exact phrasing oh i've got it, it. okay <laughs> don't um... you worry i, I came prepared <laughs> yes. so I, I guess it's not word for word but i, I yeah. did write this down so after a couple lines of just about the investigation and which whatnot... i'll be honest myself and emily who we watched this did together she like this by the way just curious yeah she thought it was good yeah is, cool. is did i yeah. um she just as I was, and just as most regular people were, were watching the final um, text and just mm-hmm. kind of thinking that this is just tying up the loose ends, and right. you're just reading the facts about what happened. Um, this was probably even more so than Spotlight, which has one of the best um, uses of post-text, which is just literally... a list of names yep um and it takes up the whole screen and it takes up multiple frames of the whole screen um this one caught myself and her off guard to the point where we had to rewind and watch it back twice Mm -hmm. um and specifically the ending text uh in it says uh that um in real life the youngest daughter uh had a schizophrenic episode 
and the mother Mary died of fatal wounds while attempting to intervene. Um, there's a lot going on there in that. As an spe- English major, there's a lot to unpack here. There, there is, especially when you actually read what actually happened in that situation and you figure like, how did they land on this as the right way to portray that? And it's it's kind of the this is kind of a weird take I guess from me, but like I feel like choosing to not include that as part of this film, and then just including it as a like throwaway text line that is like super casual at the end of the film is not doing it justice. Mm-hmm. Like in reality, uh, I don't know about proven. But she was found guilty, the youngest daughter, of stabbing her mother 227 times and murdering her. And that... Guilty by insanity or... No, like guilty of murder and in prison right now. Oh, so interesting. Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and now, I will say, um, there's well, a I mean, lot... There, there's 200 a lot... times practically says insanity i mean you know like murder is murder but uh, overkill is overkill so i'm I'm not disagreeing with any of that but um there's no way in my opinion that you can get that out of the sentence that they had in the final yes like even if that she sustained fatal wounds from a schizophrenic Episode. While trying to save something about her daughter during a schizophrenic episode. And mm-hmm. I am all for the idea of people needing help and people needing assistance. Definitely. But there is a major disconnect between what actually took place and what was written in the text at the end of that. Yeah. Where if people didn't check up on that, they'd be like, oh, that's sad. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this, this is a um, – and there's a lot more to the story. Like yeah. there's this um, – at least the the one um, um, the one witness uh, was saying that the daughter was murdering small animals and was drowning them in the bathtub and had this long vendetta against her mother that led to her murder and so I mean and that's all hearsay obviously right. but at the same time like there is more to the story than that final sentence. And so, I'm, I'm yeah. also curious of I guess. I understand to a degree. I understand why they included the statement, but at the same time, I don't understand why. Um, I feel like they, since... they they included the statement to try to spin it in a positive light, which unfortunately to me makes it feel more disingenuous. I agree because it's not authentic. It's it, it it's making the rest of your product feel inauthentic. So I had the exact opposite reaction. Oh, okay. Really? Now, part of that may have been because I was slightly biased because before I watched this movie, I had seen messages exchanged oh, between no. my two co-hosts hmm. about how crazy the messages or the mess, the ending titles were. And I'm not saying when I watched it, I was like... It's like they've never seen a fatal stabbing dude as schizophrenia <laughs> before or anything like that. But I guess I was, like, thinking somehow – I, I was definitely surprised but also ready for it mm-hmm. in, in a certain sense. But for me, 
I thought the movie's purpose became even clearer hmm. upon reading that text. And here's what I'll say about that, which is that I think to include – okay, to, to, to not mention it, they would be remiss because yeah, then it seems like they are hiding <laughs> any Completely. you know bad uh, thing that could be attributed to the systemic failing that even her own mother is a part of in some way. Or and I'm not saying she's uh, uh, had it coming or anything like that, but you know involved with. However, I do think that as I was watching the movie, once I learned that the mother was dead in real life, and not only dead but dead by her own daughter. Uh, even if due to insanity or any yeah, other whatever, sure. then I realized, okay, so this does drive home that this entire movie was a, I think at in least, memoriam. yes, an homage to the mother herself. Whether I agree with that being a good use of film or not, uh, which I mean, I guess I do in the baseline of like, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that, but was it worth it in this uh, version that exists right now? I don't know. But, and so I thought the idea there was like, oh, so I could see the world at large if they read the wiki, you know, from start to finish, from her giving up her child to her dying by her child. That almost tries to s- twist it. Because we want to make narratives that mm-hmm. make sense, and we totally. want to turn these things into Shakespearean tragedies mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I kind of understand. While I agree that it was certainly cavalier for <laughs> for those closing <laughs> texts, uh, it actually kind of crystallized. Okay, at least that does. Uh, while I kind of do want to go look that up, and while I kind of am like, oh boy, that's a lot to leave me with. Right. Um, I kind of understand why to put that anywhere else in the movie is to technically sensationalize something in the same way a cop would say, well, what was she wearing or, well, was she a good mother? I mean, I don't think there's really any disputing at least this depiction of uh, Amy Ryan as Mary that she was a good mother, a a mother who made bad decisions, a mother who made mistakes, but a person who loved her daughters, I think that much is true. One of my favorite moments in the entire movie was in the beginning when uh, Thomas and Mackenzie is, uh, you know, suspended. And Can I say really quickly, um, my favorite part of this film has nothing to do with the actual film, but actually from Emily's reaction to something, which came about... Those are usually fun. They are great. Which came about 10 minutes in, and she got so frustrated with something, <laughs> very much like you got frustrated in the movie Spotlight, second time I've mentioned it, on this ah. episode with uh, Mark Ruffalo and his marble mouth. <laughs> Emily was... We gotta do something, Michael. Put up the bash signal. <laughs> oh, God. Um... She was getting so angry and started audibly yelling at the television that Thomas and Mackenzie had to open her mouth when she was speaking. <laughs> She's like, just open your mouth. You can enunciate better. Okay, I will say I thought this was the weakest Thomas and Mackenzie performance I've I, seen. When I, I say I, that as... I haven't seen many, but she was way better in Jojo Rabbit, which was, was not that great. She was way better movie. in a movie I hated, which was Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> and way, way better in a movie I love, which was Leave No Trace. So I was slightly disappointed. I think that was probably more of directorial influence like mm-hmm. i think the daughters were supposed to be in some sense non-entities because yeah. she was supposed to literally not quite you know see them and that was part of their problem and whatnot but i will say yeah. one positive and and i will i'll let you uh, go back to your point here thank you one positive about the youngest daughter and i guess i'd need to watch it again to, to really for sure confirm this but 
I feel like there was never a point where the youngest daughter was portrayed as like, oh, look at her. She's going to be a murderer someday. Just in the background, she's sharpening a knife. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm with so, you. So there, 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 there was none of that, which, which I, I guess is, is, is. I mean, it's probably good, and it's not trying to distract what yeah. this story is about, yeah. because this story can exist in and of itself outside of you know the entire timeline yeah. of what happened. So I yeah. agree with that. But, so you were saying, I'm sorry. No, but my favorite moment, I think, in this entire movie, and I always kind of love moments where like I kind of like do this weird like, oh, uh, you're a good parent moment where. In this movie, it came when, after she was suspended from school, she shows up at the diner where Amy Ryan works, and um, I love when Amy Ryan is talking to her and, like, you know, has that parental stern of, like, oh, we're going to talk about this has consequences, but then before she leaves, she... compliments her Yes, and I'm like, that is how you parent, because... No matter when, I mean, I'm not a parent, so obviously I'm speaking as a child, but I think you, I think everybody has, I I hate the idea that you have no, like, authority as to what makes a good parent if you haven't had children, because technically speaking, you're on the other side of it, so you have a voice as to what can and cannot work. But I always love the idea of parenting being, like, if your child does something wrong, then they don't just cease to exist. They are still human beings who, you know, you can water two flowers at the same time and both say, like, you done messed up and also, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah that's, anyway. a, that's a cute dragon. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. I thought that was great. And I actually thought the same thing mm-hmm. uh, when that scene took place because the reality is, even though she's angry at the situation, she's still her daughter. Oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think also, too, as we've learned, like, She's not going to do anything, I think. I think after she gave up uh, Shannon, like, she's never going to make that mistake again, whether it's by her own volition or pushing her daughter away. Now, we find out that, obviously, she does, in some ways, you know, ignore her and whatnot, but she learns from that and whatnot, so... So going to uh, final ratings, um, I guess I'll go first if yeah. that's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thought this movie was pretty good, and I'm going to give this a three and a half out of five, which I feel like it could come down on a rewatch depending on how everything plays out. But at the same time, I thought that this was a good film, and it also um, had a good heart in terms of the message it was trying to portray. I did really enjoy the idea that this and, and enjoy is a tough word to say because this film has kind of a icky story about it. But at the same time, I, I liked that this film was trying to show an injustice that was being done and is being done in our current society, in our current culture, yeah. um, in our current climate, whatever you want to say. Um, there, there's a whole group of people, whether it be just women or whether it be sex workers or whether it be anyone who's on the other side of poor policing, um, that are treated unfairly and not given the same, the same, um, courtesy that anyone else should be given because you shouldn't be given different, different care from the police if you live in a gated community or if you live in the projects or you live in a poor neighborhood, like you should be treated the exact same way. So if someone calls and they're from a rich house about a cat being in the tree and someone calls from a poor neighborhood about a murder taking place, like 
realistically, obviously, the response time should probably be different. But it shouldn't be shorter for the cat in the tree for the rich neighborhood. Totally. Uh, And that's because that's just how society should work. In those cases, it shouldn't matter what your status is in society. It should matter what the situation is. And the reality is, in this film, it shows that that is not the case. And that context matters, but it negates everything. Because if you say, oh, there is a prostitute missing, they're like, meh. Um, There are really good performances here. I really enjoyed Amy Ryan. Um, Even though he's kind of playing a one-dimensional character, I'm always happy to see Kevin Corrigan. Um, he's a very interesting guy who's been in a lot of underrated. I agree. Been in numerous movies, uh, numerous shows, whether it is, oh, what's the, um, uh, what's the show with the, uh, the teenage daughter? Oh God. Where he plays the brother. Oh man. The Grounded for Life? Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Cause it was, uh, Donald Logue was in that show. Yes, he was. He was the main character and I enjoyed him the world. I watched that when I was young. I did as well. He was playing this weird, like light Kramer type character. Um, but he's been in numerous films also in like all different genres, whether it be the departed or super bad. Um, he's been around. So I enjoyed seeing him here and Amy Ryan is giving a great performance as per usual. So, I was quite a fan of this, and even though it does have some holes, and I definitely... Digging up holes, digging. Yeah, and finding digging raptor skeletons. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I still quite enjoyed it, and I thought that this was very much worthwhile. So three and a half out of five for me for Lost Girls. I'll go then. Um, so, uh, ironically, I have the same thing of three and a half. Stars. Woo, um, big team. Air, air high five. <laughs> yeah. yes. um, I, I very much enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there were moments in it where I was kind of uh, in disbelief in the sense of like, nah, that's not, that's not real. Um, or just not believing the way that the timeline worked out or things like that. Um, but I definitely enjoyed it. And I appreciated that, um, a, a film was made to kind of, I guess, highlight, if for lack of a better term, um, that this is a problem, um, that it's it's a systemic problem of not recognizing when or and not across all, not across everyone, but for the most part, it's a, a common issue mm. of um, not looking for individuals or um just letting cases go go cold um because either there's not enough manpower for it or just for a lack of um of community support for finding individuals who maybe are quote-unquote lesser by societal standards it takes a threat that the mother of one of the deceased is going to go to the media for them to search an area yep. that a lot of people say is suspicious. Yep. And that, it's, that's fucked up. Yeah. And, and I find, I find the, the power of a mother, um, a very powerful, um, a very powerful theme in this, um, which is interesting, especially, and I know we didn't talk about them, but the other two mothers that are, um, briefly introduced, um, the one more so than the other, um, I appreciate her, her name's Lorraine, I believe, 
um, where she goes up to Amy Ryan while she's in the car and she basically compliments her uh, saying, you know, without you doing this, I, who knows how many girls would still be missing. Um, and I think that's powerful showing just that sort of, I guess, building other women up in that case. Because um, too often we see that there's a lot of tearing down of it. Oh, and um, Amy Ryan, too, is hesitant yeah. to even throw her. Now, part of that's an emotional reaction for not wanting to admit that, Definitely. unfortunately, you know, she might be one of them. But also the other part is like a judgmental thing. Oh, yeah. And that's inherently based in the way we are kind of, uh, you know, there's truth to the idea that a lot of times in a patriarchal society, not only are women obviously the victims of oppression, but they're also almost objects of it. Yeah, and also thrown to fight each other to do the dirty work for you know the oppressors. Oh, so. definitely. Um, I think, and I guess in a very round um, round way, um, there's. Um, I truly enjoy all the different plot points or conversation points that are brought up in this um whether or not they're done to like the fullest extent that they could be is definitely up for debate um but i also think it's it's difficult to try and touch upon all of those points in a um in a full manner uh without making it like a three hour long film um um i absolutely thought it was beautiful to watch um so i i commend um that cinematography for it um it's um while it does resonate zodiac killer um Mm. which my boyfriend when i was watching it he initially actually commented it was like are you watching zodiac (laughs) and i was like no but no but zodiac clone i can understand why (laughs) um that's one of his favorite films too. So oh, it it's a good sense. one. I was gonna yeah. say that's that a it is. a pre Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Um, yes. reconnaissance. Holy shit! No, um, Renaissance. Renaissance. <laughs> I, I like was like I was halfway between Renaissance and reconnaissance, and well, yeah, I mean, like he those. pretty much sure. took it. <laughs> um, but. I think it's um, it's an interesting take, especially when you think of, you know, how many, um, I guess, cold case or true crime movies have particularly been following the officers and not the, the victims or the families of the victims, um, and more particularly the women of them. Mm. Um, so I definitely find that very telling. And also it's directed by a woman, too, yeah. um, which I, I appreciate. Um, which which um, I hope is not just a product of this idea of that being this is a woman's picture so uh, no I, I was uh, gonna I was gonna go a different route where this idea that it's hot at the moment so now women are getting more of a chance like this should just be how it is the norm and even more so forever. <laughs> So this idea of, oh, this is a hot time, like vampires were when Twilight was out. No, this is how it oh, should be. I, that's the thing. I will say, like, we are living in a world where right now we're even seeing how certain things that were said and promised back in March, uh, or I should say April, May, because of the George Floyd uh, killing, mm-hmm. that are now being revoked. Like, Cops is back in production, even though that was... 
canceled yeah. in the wake. And it's like, wait a minute, mm. that's not a cancellation. That's a hiatus. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah and, and, it's performative. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's whatever that you can get away with, which unfortunately, if people aren't paying attention, is pretty much anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so overall, um, a three out of five, or three and a half out of five. Um, and, Sorry, you said three first, so we yeah. have to lock it in. Now, hold on. My initial comment was three and a half. Oh, that's true. Uh, so she that's got the me. locked in say, one. Um, shut up, Nicholas. <laughs> but I, yes, um, I would definitely watch this film. That just went weird. Um, <laughs> this is I, every episode. For those so. people listening, you did not feel the vibe that I felt in this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was... You're missing out. Um <laughs> Um, but yes, I would definitely, um, I would not mind having this on again and enjoying watching it a second time. I think I actually would be interested to watch it a second time and see what I pick up on again, especially after our conversations. Hmm. So Very good. on to you, Nicholas. All right. Thank you so much. Um, you're welcome. Didn't really care for this. I thought... It was a two and a half out of five because I just don't really have any ill will towards it. And I like that it exists. And I'm glad someone like Liz Garbus gave this a spotlight because it's a case that I think is important, especially because not just the case, but the perspective from the mother's point of view is sure. so, so rare mm-hmm. in media. So I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Unfortunately, I just think that it needed to be almost expanded upon in his, uh, in the current form and it exists. Exhibit. So, while I didn't really care for it, I also definitely recommend it because mm. does it overstay its welcome? Even if I wish it did. So yeah, two and a half out of five. And I don't want to end this by recommending something simply by saying this is better. But I will say, if you like this, I'll reiterate and say check out Netflix's Unbelievable, mm-hmm. which I think a everybody should watch in general. But b uh, is a much more thorough look at the way women are systemically oppressed by police investigations and whatnot and i will say this not as like a trigger warning but like the first episode is one of the worst things i've ever seen and worse as in like hard to watch but the other six episodes it's not like they they put it all in one episode so that way it a you feel the impact of it, and b uh, you don't have to kind of sit through that for the whole series. So if you're put off by the first episode, the rest of it is much more palatable and just as good. But that first episode is not indicative of the mood of the rest of the series. So uh, anyway, a two and a half out of five for me. Good stuff. Well, if you out there have any thoughts on Lost Girls, always feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter at Film Tank Show. Coming up in our next episode, uh, we're going to have a bit of a horror spooky theme since we are, <laughs> at least at the time of recording, we're in October. Yeah. I was say, this will be more of a Christmas episode. Yeah, probably. I, I, my goal is, but my goal has been the same thing for the last three years. I'm going to so start pushing matter. you. You should. Okay. I need it, obviously. And then the moment you say, stop pushing me, I'll stop. Okay. But until you say it, I'm going to start pushing you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, a movie I'm kind of surprised we haven't done an episode on yet, uh, but we're going to do uh, on our next episode is the classic film, I would definitely say, Silence of the Lambs. So looking forward to that. (laughs) I've actually never seen it. So very much. Really? I like it. 
I've never seen it. So. I will admit I watched it for the first time like three years ago, and I was blown away by the fact that it was a classic that actually lived up to its status. Oh, mm-hmm. Right on. So, looking forward to that coming up on our next episode. As always, thank you very much, Sam, for Sham. Sam, and thank you very much, Sham. Sham, wow. For being here. You're very welcome. Thank you for always inviting me. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we can do this again in person uh, before we all die. Um, And looking forward to that. Well, we won't. We're going to get Regeneron now. (laughs) For free. Yeah, for free, sure. Uh, You betcha. Everyone's getting it. (laughs) It's coming tomorrow yeah. via Amazon. The drones. Yeah. They'll finally put all that technology to work for the common good. Sure. You bet. Not in this country. Yep. So from Sam, Nick, and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much, as always, for listening to us here at Film Tank. Look forward to catching up with you next time. Goodbye.